This is CNN Breaking News. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper, and we start with breaking news in our national lead. For the second time in just three months, the flags at the U.S. Capitol are being lowered to half-staff because of an attack on the Capitol, one that resulted in the loss of a police officer's life. One Capitol Police officer is dead, another is injured after police say a man rammed his car into them this afternoon before crashing into a barricade just outside the U.S. Capitol. Police say the man then got out of his car with a knife and ran at officers who shot and killed him. The Washington, D.C. Police Chief Robert Conti says this does not appear to be terrorism-related, and the head of Capitol Police says the suspect was not known to them prior to this incident. At approximately 102 hours this afternoon, a suspect uh, entered what we refer to as the North Barricade of the Capitol. Uh, The suspect rammed his car uh, into two of our officers and then hit the North Barricade barrier. At such time, the suspect exited the vehicle with a knife in hand. Our officers then engaged that suspect. Uh, He did not respond to verbal commands. Uh, The suspect did start lunging toward U.S. Capitol Police officers, at which which time uh, U.S. Capitol Police officers fired upon the suspect. At this time, uh, the suspect has been pronounced uh, deceased. Two U.S. Capitol Police officers were transported to two different hospitals. And it is with a very, very heavy heart that I announce one of our officers has succumbed to his injuries. I just ask that the public continue to keep U.S. Capitol Police and their families in in your prayers. This has been an extremely difficult time for U.S. Capitol Police after the events of January 6th and now the events that have occurred here today. So I ask that you keep our U.S. Capitol Police family in your thoughts and prayers. I would would remind you that uh, one officer was killed and two others uh, committed suicide after the January 6th event. The, The area where this happened would have been fenced off just a few weeks ago in the aftermath of the January 6th insurrection, um, police officials have not released any names yet, we should note. The, the suspect's name, the injured officer's name, or the officer who was killed. Regarding the latter, uh, police said they still had yet to notify his or her next of kin. CNN's Whitney Wilde is near the scene where the car remains smashed against the barrier. Whitney, what's, what's the latest that you're hearing and you're learning? Well, what we've learned now is basically what we had heard from police uh, a little bit ago, which is, again, that one of those officers lost his life uh, in this just another horrific attack here at the Capitol. And I think you pointed out something that's really important. Three officers from this department have died since January 6th. That is that number is something that some departments don't see in a year, in a decade. And so this department remains embattled. Uh, This is going to be just one more in a series of traumatic incidents that this department has had to go through and is learning how to heal. Uh, If you just look over my shoulder behind me, uh, just behind the special operations vehicle is the actual suspect vehicle. We didn't get a good look at the make and model, but what I can tell you, Jake, is that it looked like it was a sedan. Uh, It looked like, from my vantage point, a four-door navy blue sedan. We don't know where this vehicle came in from. We don't know who the driver was. We don't know the motivation. Uh, Metropolitan Police Chief Conti said that he does not believe, as you had mentioned, he doesn't believe that this is a terrorist threat. He doesn't believe that there's an ongoing threat to the community at this point. And then importantly, he doesn't believe that this person was known to law enforcement prior to this incident. And I I think that's important because a lot of the conversation here up on Capitol Hill has been about the intelligence flow, how to change the intelligence flow to get a better better handle on threats. Uh, This case, again, Chief Conti saying that it does not appear at this point that this person was known to law enforcement, but a fluid situation, it only happened hours ago. So we'll certainly learn more uh, as the situation unfolds and we learn who was actually behind the wheel, Jake. All right, thank you so much. CNN's Pete Montine is outside George Washington University Hospital in Washington, D.C. for us, where a source tells us one of the officers uh, was taken following the incident. Uh, Pete, tell us more. 
Oh, Jake, what a sad moment here just a few moments ago when it appeared that a procession uh, for that fallen officer left GW Hospital here and went southbound on 23rd Street. If you're familiar with Washington, we're not too far away from DuPont Circle. Uh, police car after police car, police on motorcycles, Secret Service, Capitol Police, Metropolitan Washington Police, all a part of that procession as it left here. A really sad moment, uh, almost not a dry eye here. There were hospital employees lined up on the paddock here uh, just outside of the emergency room. And it did appear that this spot also maybe became a bit a part of this crime investigation. There was a Capitol Police car in the front bay here in front of the emergency room where MPD detectives were taking uh, photos. They were inspecting it. They were trying to make sure uh, there was something clearly uh, going on there. Uh, we're not able to say uh, for certain exactly what just yet. But there was a procession here not all that long ago, and we are told that that slain officer was brought to George Washington University, University Hospital, where I am right now, Jake. Really, really tough time uh, for the Metropolitan and Capitol Police Departments. Pete Montine, thank you so much. CNN's Evan Perez has been talking to his sources. Evan, what are you learning? Obviously, the investigation is just in the preliminary phase as of right now. It really is, uh, Jake. And one of the things that is notable um, that we're told is that uh, this suspect managed to, despite all the security there, despite all the precautions, managed to be able to stab one of these officers, managed to get close enough to be able to stab one of these officers. And it appears that uh, one of these officers uh, was so badly injured that they were taken uh, by by police cruiser to the hospital. That gives you a sense that they couldn't even they didn't even wait for the ambulance to be able to get there. Um, the other two uh, people who were injured, one of the police officer, the other the suspect, were taken by uh, by EMS to the hospital. But uh, in the case of the officer, they managed they they put him in a in a cruiser and took him to the hospital. That appears to be the the cruiser that Pete Montaigne was talking about. And at this point. Jake, uh, as the chief of police, uh, acting chief of the Metropolitan Police said, uh, they don't believe that there's anything that indicates uh, a, a ter terrorist nexus. But it is still something, I'm told by law enforcement, that they're still looking into. They're at this point uh, getting search warrants. They're going to look through uh, the person's uh, home uh, to try to see whether there's anything there that indicates a motivation. Uh, it is still something, it's still very early, as you said, in this investigation. And uh, again, one of the things that, that, that they want to make sure is they want to understand uh, mental health issues, uh, whether there's any uh, connection with any terrorist groups. All of those things are still being investigated at this point, James. Yeah, and Evan, um, I mean, one of the things I think probably some viewers are wondering, how could it not be terrorism if somebody is attacking the Capitol? Right. And one of the things that, that people like you and I, who have lived in this town for a long time and covered it, know is... Sometimes there is definitely in a political agenda for somebody who is right. committing violence, whether it's religious violence or political violence, whatever. And sometimes uh, Washington, D.C., whether the White House and people trying to hop the fence or people attacking the Capitol. Um, there was an incident a few years ago with a woman uh, ramming her car into a barrier, I right. recall. Sometimes because this is the nation's capital and these are high-profile buildings, uh, and high-profile individuals in those buildings, they attract yes. people who are suffering from, from serious problems. Exactly. And uh, frankly, Jake, because of what we saw and what, what, was, what happened on January 6th, one of the things I've heard repeatedly from law enforcement people is that the concern was that, uh, that because people out there could see what a bunch of people were able to do, get into those barriers, get into the building, take it over, that it would embolden it. It would give, it would serve as some sort of trigger for people to try to do something uh, on their own. And that goes from uh, terrorist groups that are well known to people who are just sitting at home and maybe suffering some of their own issues uh, to try to do something like this. Again, that's one of the parts, that's parts of this, uh, this investigation at this point to try to understand whether that's the case. But it is a top concern it doesn't matter what you do to try to harden the, the, the exterior of this place. There's always going to be a risk that someone will be able to, 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 to breach something like that. And as you see, you know, a barrier is right there. They weren't able to get through, but they were able to take the life of, of at least one officer. And, and Evan, um, do we know uh, the officer who was killed? Do we know if, if that was because of the, the car uh, ramming into him or her? 
or, or do we know if it had to do with uh, the stabbing With event? the stabbing, right. It, it's not clear to me, Jake. Uh, again, this is a question we're asking, and there's a lot of conflicting information that's emerging at this point. But yeah, that is one of the questions I have. And, and we don't know whether, whether the officers that were, uh, were struck uh, by the vehicle before getting to the barrier, or whether that's the reason for, uh, for the officer's death, or whether it's the stabbing. Uh, but it tells you, it is indicative, uh, I think, of, of this, the, the, the urgency of the situation, that officers did not wait. Uh, look, I live in that neighborhood, so I heard, we heard a helicopter uh, go towards there, um, and you know, clearly they, they, were, they were rushing all of everything they could, uh, the assets they could, to try to get people out there. Um, and they didn't even wait for that. They got him in the cruiser and uh, took him away to the hospital, which appears to be the George Washington Hospital, the closest hospital they could get to uh, by car. And so they didn't even wait for the EMS. They took him by, by cruiser. All right, Evan Perez, thanks so much. And we'll come back to you when you learn more. Appreciate it. CNN's Jessica Dean was actually inside the Capitol when all of this unfolded. Uh, she covers Capitol Hill for us. Jessica, tell us what the situation is like now. Well, right now, Jake, the lockdown has been lifted, so we can now come inside and outside. But but when this all began earlier today, I, I was sitting in my office. It's in this building, the Senate side of the Capitol, right here behind us. Uh, and we heard an announcement, Blair, over the loudspeaker. Uh, we have a clip of it. I'll let you all listen. I repeat, due to an exterior security threat, no entry or exit is permitted at this time in any place of the Capitol complex. You may move around the building. And that was the moment we knew that we were in lockdown, of course, telling us to stay away from doors and windows. And what is important to note is, is the Senate and House are both on recess right now. And Fridays are sometimes slow days here anyway. Uh, it was eerily quiet, Jake, when I went out to kind of look around and see what was going on. You could have heard a pin drop, but clearly something serious was possibly going on. I came down to the first floor. I heard radios going from the U.S. Capitol Police. And that's when we started to piece together a little bit of what was going on. Uh, you know, a lot of people, though, weren't here, weren't working here. A lot of the sources I was checking in with today were working from home because it re is recess, because it is Friday. Uh, but we looked right over and we could see the scene here behind us. And I was standing with some Capitol Police officers, and even they weren't quite sure exactly at that moment precisely what was happening. But as so many others have noted, they have suffered such great loss this year. And I walk through that door sometimes through that way to go in and they're there uh, to protect us. And, and they take that very, very seriously. And so they had very heavy hearts. There is certainly just this cloud of heaviness and sadness that is wafting through that building right now. Uh, we, you know, you walk by right now I, to come out, I walked by Capitol Police officers, members of the National Guard, and you can just tell their hearts are incredibly heavy, as all of ours are. And, you know, Jake, they have done a lot since January 6th to try to stem this, to try to protect against anything happening like this. They have increased and changed the way that they uh, process information to, to monitor threats. Of course, they did put up the, the fencing and, and have the National Guard here after that. Uh, that fencing just came, a lot of that fencing just came down in the last couple of weeks, and it was noticeable here uh, how much more open it felt. Uh, where this goes from here is the big question right now on Capitol Hill. Frankly, Jake, the question is, will more fencing go back up? Does the posture change? These are some of the questions that are being asked to people. I'm talking, you know, people are talking about that uh, when I'm asking them kind of what comes next. But overall, Jake, just incredibly heavy hearts here. Just a devastating day. Yeah, no, a horrible day. And as you note, for the U.S. Capitol Police, uh, they lost Officer Brian Sicknick because of the January 6th insurrection. They lost another officer who right. died by suicide. Uh, in, the, in the days after that because of the trauma. Now they've lost a third officer. This is within three months for a relatively small police force. Uh, really uh, horrific, and they do so much to keep uh, members of Congress and their staffs and journalists and the public safe from, from any danger. Just a horrible day. Uh, thank you so much. Let's go to CNN's Lauren Fox, who's, who's also on the Hill. Lauren, how are lawmakers reacting to this incident? Uh, a lot of them had real post-traumatic stress after the January 6th uh, insurrection where several of them were very credibly uh, fearing for their lives, fearing, fearing violence against them. Um, how, are, how are you, they reacting today? 
Yeah, I mean, I've been texting with several members, some of whom were in the House chamber on January 6th, you know, to talk a little bit about what do, what do you feel like watching all of these events unfolding on Capitol Hill? And, you know, one source told me that, that this was just depressing. This was upsetting what they were seeing at the Capitol, given what this complex has been through, what this community has been through over the last several months. And, you know, we are getting some more formal reaction from lawmakers, many of whom are on this congressional recess over the last week and they'll continue to be next week. But I want to read one tweet from the majority leader, Chuck Schumer. He said, I'm heartbroken for the officer killed today, defending our Capitol and for his family. I'm praying for the officer injured and for his family. We are in their debt. We thank the Capitol Police, National Guard, and first responders for all they do to protect the Capitol and those inside. And of course, these outpourings are coming from across the aisle as well. I want to read another tweet from Liz Cheney the Republican conference chairwoman, she says, quote, our deepest condolences to the family of Capitol Police officer who was killed defending our Capitol. U.S. Capitol Police put their lives on the line to protect us and our republic. They deserve our unwavering support. And Jessica brought up such an important point, Jake. These Capitol Police officers are, are really part of this complex in so many ways. You know, when you go in and out of this building, you say hi to them, you go through security, you, you sort of build a rapport and a relationship with them. Obviously, this force has been through so much over the last several months. And of course, this incident today, but also the fact that many of them were on the front lines on January 6th, many of them fighting not just for minutes, but for hours for their lives and for this building and for this place and what it represents on January 6th. So obviously, just everyone's hearts pouring out to the officer who passed away and and their family. It's just a horrendously sad day, Jake. A very sad day. Thank you so much. Let's discuss what's going on with our law enforcement experts. Um, first of all, uh, let me start uh, with you, Julia Kayyem, if I can. The FBI says they're responding to this incident to provide support to the Capitol Police, but D.C. police are taking the lead in investigating. Yeah. That's the Metropolitan Police Department, or MPD. What do you think MPD is doing right now? What clues are yeah. they going to be looking for? I mean, they, they, they obviously, the suspect is dead, so they know who did it. Right. Where, where, do you, where do you go from there? Right, and this may be confusing to the public because they said, we don't know what the motive is, but we know what we're, we don't think it's terrorism. And basically what that means is uh, that they uh, will announce relatively soon who the suspect is. They would know who he is because they, they had him, he was dead. Uh, and then they will, and then they, they are determined, they determined almost immediately, was he under any watch list, either international um, or domestic. So in that way, they were at least able to uh, make two claims. One was that there's no continuing threat. And then something that they did about a half hour later, which is they reopened up the Capitol. And for someone like me who looks at this from afar, that was the sign, at least in my mind, that uh, that they feel like they have a discrete um, uh, threat that has obviously uh, uh, been stopped. So now it's now it's going to look like a, a normal, as normal as one could call these investigation uh, which is it's going to be, you know, who is he? Uh, you know, wh what did he have online? Uh, mental uh, issues. Was he known to uh, wherever he's from? Was he known to individuals there or law enforcement there for certain behavior? Uh, so this will uh, uh, unfold like a normal investigation. However, abnormal it seemed at the moment it was happening because it seemed very familiar to the attack uh, a couple months ago. So sometimes things that uh, seem too good to be a coincidence, right? Um, this is why we, we have to reserve judgment um, about anything in particular motivation and just wait for the information uh, to be disclosed. And we see that the U.S. Capitol Police have put out a statement with a photograph of yes. the officer uh, who was killed. Uh, his name was uh, William Billy Evans. Officer Billy Evans, uh, we'll put up that photograph in a second. Um, Phil Mudd, uh, D.C. police say they do not think this is terrorism related. Uh, how can that determination be made so quickly? Boy, I think they're right. And I can explain for a moment why I, I would say that's a bit quick. Let me give you a couple reasons why. If this individual acted alone to determine whether it's terrorism or not, you've got to get inside their head. If they acted alone, the likelihood they're communicating about motives with other people is low. To get inside their head, I need to understand what's on their laptop, what's on their phone. And to do interviews of, for example, friends, family, co-workers to understand their mindset. Based on what I've seen in the case, I would tend to agree with them. 
But as an analyst behind the scenes, Jake, there is still a lot of work to be done. I think they're right. I, I wouldn't guarantee it yet. I want to um, uh, show the photograph I just told you moments ago. The Capitol Police released a statement uh, mourning the officer who was killed and this photograph of Officer Billy Evans, William F. Evans, the acting police chief, saying, quote, it is with profound sadness that I share the news of the passing of Officer William Billy Evans from this afternoon from injuries he sustained following an attack at the North Barricade by a lone assailant. Officer Evans had been a member of the United States Capitol Police for 18 years. He began his U.S. Capitol Police service on March 7, 2003, was a member of the Capitol Division's first responders unit. Please keep Officer Evans and his family in your thoughts and prayers. An 18-year veteran, Officer Billy Evans, that's his picture right there, killed. It's, I mean, there's no reason for it. Killed in the line of duty today because somebody attacked the Capitol. Um, let me go to Reddit Hudson, if I can, right now, bring him in. Uh, and read it as a, as a police veteran. Um, this is a this is a really bad era, as I don't need to tell you, for the U.S. Capitol Police. The third officer taken from them, one killed in the insurrection, one died by suicide right after the insurrection, and now Officer Billy Evans killed. What what is that like for police when that happens? Well, it's like it is for anybody else. I mean, if you are working with someone. You've built a relationship with someone, they're your friend. You're devastated uh, when they lose their life this way or any other way. Uh, It really, to me, speaks to why it is so critical, critical at this point to hold people accountable, uh, especially the people responsible for the insurrection on January the 6th. I don't know all the details of this case yet today. I know they're still coming in, but we do know that the Capitol was previously attacked in recent weeks and months, and it is imperative that those people be prosecuted to the full extent of the law to send a message to future attackers that you will be held accountable for your actions. I mean, I'm sure that the D.C., I'm sorry, the Capitol Police are devastated by this loss. Yeah, it's, uh, just, it's a tragedy. just awful. And CNN's Evan Perez now has some breaking news on the identity of the suspect. Uh, Evan, tell us what you're learning. Well, Jake, uh, we're told by by sources, multiple sources, that the suspect's name is Noah Green. Uh, At least one of those sources says that he is 25 years old. We know that at this time, uh, Jake, uh, the uh, law enforcement, the the, uh, police investigators are working to learn more about him, trying to figure out what motivation was behind this attack. Uh, Noah Green, uh, they right now are getting search warrants to try to search his home, talk to family members. Uh, We have uh, teams on the way to try to get to those locations uh, at this point. But uh, obviously, there's still much work to be done here. Just touching on your conversation just a minute ago with with Phil, uh, even though the police initially said that they don't believe there's any uh, terrorism motivation uh, at this point, they still have a lot more work to do. And one of those things, what's going to come from these searches is perhaps some answers based on what they find at the suspect's home, talking to family members, what perhaps his mindset was in uh, recent days, what perhaps drove him to to, to take this action today. Uh, Let's bring back uh, our law enforcement uh, panel as we know the identity. Noah Green is his name. He he won federal source telling our team that he's 25, uh, still obviously learning a lot more about uh, this person. A uh, uh, law enforcement uh, panel, uh, take a listen to what the Metropolitan Police Chief, that's the D.C. Police Chief, said ab- about the attack. The suspect did exit the vehicle with a knife in hand, and at that time he started to lunge toward, uh, run aggressively toward U.S. Capitol but Police vehicle, Office. That's, that's the uh, actually the acting uh, Capitol uh, Police uh, Officer, not the MPD Police Officer. Um, but let me ask you, um, Julia Kayyem, when a suspect is, is running at a police officer with a knife, I, I believe it's, it's protocol that they have no choice but to shoot. Uh, right. And there isn't, this isn't the movies, you don't shoot somebody's arm, yeah. you don't shoot a knife out of somebody's hand, you shoot the body mass, which is the, the, the torso. Yes, and, and, and the acting chief did say they 
they tried de-escalation protocols. Clearly, they said, you know, get out of the car. He comes running out uh, with a knife. And this is one of the more interesting aspects to this as the investigation unfolds. 25-year-old male um, uh, uh, who's using a knife. And to me, when I first heard that, I, I just thought, you know, it's just, it's, 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 um, not, co- not that common, uh, especially in the United States where guns are readily accessible. So that, that's going to also go into the investigation is, is, uh, you know, why a knife, uh, thank, let's just say, thank God a knife. Uh, but that's going to be clearly one of their motivations. But did he not have access to guns? Where is he coming from? So, uh, they now have the person and that is um, in the, in a world of all bad news. Often that is good news because now they can begin to uh, uh, determine uh, what his motivation was. Did anyone else know? And obviously begin to explain uh, the kind of threat that the Capitol is under. And look, there, there may be different motivations for attacks on the Capitol, but the cumulative impact on the Capitol Police, as everyone has been saying, uh, is, uh, is extreme. Uh, and so we need to make sure that we continue to protect the Capitol, but also protect uh, the Capitol Police. And Phil Mudd, we were talking about this earlier in the show, uh, but the idea of um, violent acts inspiring other violent acts, even if the political motivations or religious motivations or terrorist motivations or no motivation that makes any sense at all, not not that any of the violence ever makes sense, but based in in, in just uh, self-destruction or or illness... um, is that a, is that a uh, how serious a concern is that? So you have the January sixth insurrection, was, which was based on uh, political violence. I mean, there was a clear motivation to undo the election uh, and to stop the the counting of the electors. Um, how big a concern is it among law enforcement? Then this is just going to inspire so many other people, ranging from ISIS to people who don't even have a political motivation. They're just having they're going to have a violent episode and now they're going to aim it at us. Look, I I think there's going to be a question appropriate about what the motivation of this individual was. For example, if the individual had mental issues that are not related to politics, you might say you can't link that to January 6th. I would not agree with that, Jake. There will be people watching this today, people watching this incident, looking at what's happened to America over recent months, saying the Capitol is vulnerable. I think, and this is me speaking for those kinds of people, I think that it is my responsibility to make my voice known. I don't agree with with what's happening in America. And the people who came before me, regardless of whether their motivations were clear, the people who came before me showed me that the Capitol is vulnerable. I think this is as much about the target. That is, how do we think about the Capitol today versus how we might have thought of it two months ago as it is about the motivation of the individual. People will say the capital can be breached and I need to do something, Jake. And, and Reddit, let me ask you, we, uh, CNN has identified um, the suspect uh, who allegedly carried this out and was killed uh, as a result, just as he injured and killed another uh, officer. One of the things that, that is very different from how we cover these kinds of incidents today in 2021 versus how we covered them just five years ago, 10 years ago, is we tend to name the suspect or assailant and then we don't name him or her again, or if we do, we do so sparingly because there was a lot of criticism, rightly so, of news media uh, making these people famous. Uh, And the media and the media evolved and learned from that. Most of us did anyway, at any, at any rate, but it still inspires people, even though the the fame has been taken out of it to a degree? It, it can. It depends on the individual. To uh, Phil's point, we don't know what the mental state of this guy was. Uh, all of that is yet to be determined. And if, if a person is resolved to do something like this, whether they're going to be famous or not, you're likely to try to carry it out. I think the important thing is, again, Uh, Since we don't know, what we do know is an attack has already taken place, a major attack on the U.S. Capitol. This is reminiscent of that, although not nearly the same scale, obviously, but this is potentially a continuation of the sentiments, the politics, the ideology that drove people to commit the crimes that they committed on January the 6th, and I don't think it could be ignored. It could also be something as simple as this guy 
uh, wanted to end his own life. And the sure way to do that is to crash into some police officers, get out of your car and run at them with a knife. Right. I heard that discussed earlier on the air. And that's a reality. Some people do uh, attempt to end their lives by provoking police officers to kill them. Right. It's, uh, it's rare. It's unusual, but it's, it's not out of the question. Suicide by cop, as it's referred to. Um, CNN's Lauren Fox is on Capitol Hill. And Lauren, this is the, the, the second time since January 6th uh, that the Speaker of the House has asked uh, for the flags of the Capitol to be placed at half-staff, to be lowered to half-staff to honor uh, a fallen Capitol Police officer. She's now also um, reacting to this incident uh, uh, with, her, with her words. Tell us more. Well, that's right. The House Speaker giving out this statement just a few minutes ago, and I want to read it. It is really offering thoughts, prayers, and an acknowledgement of what has occurred today at the U.S. Capitol. She says, quote, Today, America's heart has been broken by the tragic and heroic death of one of our own Capitol Police heroes, Officer William Evans. He is a martyr for our democracy. She goes on to say in this statement that, Congress is prepared and ready to begin an investigation into what she calls a heinous attack. And I think that that is really important here because, you know, there's what occurred today and then there is the repercussions for what the Capitol is going to have to do to try to understand the event, but also, you know, a make sure that it can't happen again in the future, Jake. And I think that that is really going to be key here because, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, there was fencing on the outside perimeter of the U.S. Capitol. You could not drive up and down Constitution. This event today happened at the corner of Constitution and Delaware at the north front of the U.S. Capitol. So obviously there's going to be a question of what security needs to continue up here. And I think that what the speaker is saying here is not only is she great for the U.S. Capitol Police Force and this officer, William Evans in particular, who gave his life today. But she's arguing that Congress has to stand ready to investigate what happened. And that could mean taking actions in the future to make sure it can't happen again, Jake. But obviously, the Capitol complex, the community up here, just overwhelmed by the fact that this happened just a few months ago, and now here we are again today on this Good Friday, a holiday when lawmakers are on recess. That's right. It's, it's, a good, it's good Friday. And, and Lauren, while I have you, let me just ask you, um, because I know uh, working in that building, working on Capitol Hill, I remember uh, I was a congressional reporter and I was there on September 12th, 2001, the day after 9-11, and it was traumatic and scary and, and all of that. And, and, and the Capitol hadn't even been attacked at that point, although later it was with anthrax. Um, what is it like working there, whether your own personal experience or that of people that you work with and around, uh, ranging from members of Congress uh, to law enforcement, to other journalists? It was very scary for people on January 6th. People died that day. There's been a big effort to whitewash the horrors of January 6th, but people were killed. Uh, police officers were severely wounded uh, by this mob. Uh, and it was only just a few months ago, not even three full months ago. And now you have another attack, uh, which mi- must also um, bring back some of the, the horrible fears and memories of that day. Yeah, Jake, you know, I'll tell you, I was in the Dirksen office building trying to renew my congressional ID, and I was just about to go back to my office in the U.S. Capitol building. And I was standing by this train that runs through the buildings underground, waiting for it to come, when all of a sudden an announcement came over the loudspeaker that said that there had been an event outside and that, you know, the Capitol was on lockdown, that we weren't to enter the building or exit the building. And the visceral feeling I had, I mean, I was here on January 6th. It was the exact same. My heart dropped. I mean, the feeling that you have up here on Capitol Hill, I, I was just walking into the building today. My husband dropped me off in a, in a corner, basically right near where this barrier is this morning. And I, I just was feeling really hopeful about the fact that for the first time in a long time, it felt like things were starting to get back to normal up here. I mean, it will never be the same after January 6th. 
statistics, but there was just really a sense that I was starting my day, the cherry blossoms are all blooming, it's such a beautiful time to be in Washington, it's Easter weekend for those who celebrate that holiday, and you know, I was just feeling like, okay, like things are starting to move on, and that announcement just a couple of hours ago, I mean, that feeling, it was just like I was back standing in the basement of the Capitol on January 6th when I was being told on that day I couldn't get back to my office in the U.S. Capitol. So a lot of parallels, Jake, and I know from talking to sources, both staff and members that I've been talking to this afternoon, many people felt the exact same way about what they were feeling today, even members who weren't at the Capitol but watching from home or back in their districts. Yeah, Jake? No, very tra- traumatizing without question. Um, and of course, our, our thoughts uh, are with the family and friends and colleagues of Capitol Officer Billy Evans, who was killed today in this incident. We're going to squeeze in a quick break. We're going to come back with some more breaking news. Um, one officer, Officer Billy Evans, killed at the U.S. Capitol. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're following some breaking and tragic news. One police officer, Officer Billy Billy Evans uh, has been killed at the U.S. Capitol. He's a, he was an 18-year veteran of the Capitol Police. And one of our producers on Capitol Hill, Kristen Wilson, just tweeted his photo. And she obviously knew him. She said Billy was the kindest person. Uh, a suspect rammed his car into two officers, including uh, Evans, uh, and lunged at them with a knife. That suspect is also dead. This happened shortly after 1 p.m. East Coast time. Let's bring in CNN's Whitney Wild, she's near the scene. Whitney, explain how this happened for our viewers who are just tuning in. Well, what we know is that this car, again, rammed into the officers who were at this barricade. Uh, You know, when you come to Capitol Hill, you realize in some moments that the targets are soft because these officers are standing on the street where they can interact with pedestrians and, in this case, tragically interact with a motorist. The the breaking news that we have at at this moment, Jake, is that sources are telling me, my colleague Evan Perez and uh, my other colleague, Rin Jingras, that the suspect in this case is Noah Green. We are still trying to learn more details about this person, why he would do such a horrific act, where he's from, how old he is. All of these details we're still trying to nail down at this moment. But what we know is that, uh, again, tragically, Officer Billy Evans lost his life. Uh, the suspect is also dead in this case. Uh, one of the questions we had was what, was, what was the purpose? What was the motive? So earlier today, we heard from both U.S. Capitol Police Chief Yogananda Pittman as well as the D.C. Police Chief here, Robert Conti. At this moment, they don't believe this person had a terrorist motive. They don't believe that this person was targeting a member of Congress. Uh, They don't believe that there is an ongoing threat. And then finally, Jake, they don't believe that this person was known to law enforcement prior to this incident. That is an important piece of information because so much of the conversation here security-wise has surrounded how to get better at intelligence, how to stop threats. And the context here as well, Jake, is that Capitol Police has tried to make meaningful changes. They've changed their intelligence flow here on Capitol Hill. They've tried to beef up security with the National Guard. They just took down the outer perimeter fence. They were finally feeling like they had a handle on what was going on, and yet something like this happens, and yet these officers continue to be under attack. Since January, this department has lost three officers. As I said you know, earlier in the hour, I can't stress this enough, that is so heartbreaking for any department to lose three at once. That's something, Jake, some departments don't see over a several-year span. And now here they are back in this familiar place that is also tragic. Jake. That's right. Brian Sicknick, uh, who died shortly after the, in, in the insurrection. Uh, there was another officer who died by suicide in the, in the days after the insurrection, uh, traumatized by the event, we're told. And now, of course, uh, Officer Billy Evans, who uh, our, our CNN Capitol Hill producer, Kristen uh, Wilson, says was a kind person. Uh, we'll talk to her in a sec if we can get her on the phone. There's a picture of Officer uh, Evans, an 18-year veteran uh, of the force. I, I want to bring our law enforcement panel back. And if we can um, put up the, the graphic of the Capitol Hill grounds, the, the top view, the bird's eye view, I just want to explain to people. There it is. So that's the U.S. Capitol. Uh, and um, the, the, on the left side of your screen... Uh, that's the back. That's where the uh, inauguration takes place on the, of, the, of the Capitol. On the right side, that's the, the front where people, uh, people drive in on those uh, roads. And then you see where it says deadly incident. That's uh, basically Constitution Avenue is uh, on the very top of the screen. 
that's a bunch of Senate office buildings, uh, line, Constitution Avenue. Anybody can drive down Constitution Avenue. You can't turn, when you turn into uh, where the deadly incident is, there is a, a police a kiosk and a barricade. Uh, some, and, you know, years ago, there would, the barricades were, were almost never up, but uh, now they are regularly up. And uh, apparently um, this individual, the suspect who we have identified, um, rammed, you know, turned into uh, that part of the Capitol grounds, the Senate side of the Capitol. The top of your screen is the Senate side. The bottom of your screen is the House side. Uh, and uh, that's where the incident took place. Uh, and Juliet Kayyem, it was just a, a days, weeks ago, uh, that members of Congress uh, were complaining uh, about all of the fencing surrounding the Capitol that had been put up there after January 6th. And, and look, I, I understand it. Nobody wants to feel like they're living in the green zone in Baghdad in a, in a war zone. Uh, and this is the people's house. People are supposed to be able to walk in and walk out, talk to their member of Congress, etc. I, I get the the idea, but this is exactly the kind of thing uh, that law enforcement was worried about happening. Exactly. So it's just it's too early to make a judgment call about what the security uh, uh, assessment should be around the Capitol right now. So lots of people, some of them with political motives, are saying bring everything down. Others are saying put more up. You know, basically, this is going to take as just an honest accounting of what the threats are and, and where we need people. One. So the question I do have is what was the security posture today that was likely in response to January 6th? In other words, were there, were there more police officers there? Because we did, I mean, what happened today was, was thwarting something that could have been worse, right? The car gets in, uh, uh, rams other pedestrians, even if they don't get a congressperson. So, so was there more security because of January 6th? And do we want to keep that up? And one, one thing I want to say about the slain officer, he was from an emergency management division. That may mean not much to anyone, but, but what that means is that he probably generally was not patrol uh, nor intelligence. So it may mean that they were moving lots of people, lots of cap- Capitol Police, to try to protect the perimeter simply in response to maybe not a specific threat, but an intelligence threat. So these are the kinds of questions that we cannot answer at this moment, but certainly cannot be answered by congressmen and uh, who are making assessments about what the security uh, should look like. This has to be a, a thorough, objective law enforcement review. I, I want to uh, bring in CNN Capitol Hill producer Kristen Wilson, uh, who I've known for years. Uh, Kristen, you and I would interact before I was at CNN when I worked on <laughs> Capitol Hill. Uh, and you really get to know the Capitol Hill police officers that you see day in, day out. Some are friendly, some less so. Uh, you uh, went on Twitter and you say that Officer Billy Evans, who, who was killed today, you say he was the kindest person. Uh, tell us whatever you know, even if it's just superficial niceties. We'd like to hear about this man. Well, I mean, as you said, Jake, anybody who works up here on the Capitol and sort of gets, you know, it's a tiny family up here. We all see each other. We see the same people every day. You know, if you're walking in, especially on the Senate side, you see him. He's sometimes he's inside, sometimes he's outside. Always had, you know, either a kind word, a good morning, or he would give you some sort of grief, which is what I think he always really enjoyed doing to me and some of us he sees all the time. Why are we here so late? Why are we coming in so early? Don't you have a family? Don't you have somewhere to go? You know, just giving us trouble. Um, you know, terrible jokes, bad dad jokes that are like <laughs> my favorite. Um, it's really pleasant guy. I mean, there was one day we were outside. It was miserably cold. We're standing out there, and you know, he's like, you're kind of weather. And you're like, it's absolutely not kind of my my kind of weather. And just, you know, just had a good time with you. And I don't know. I Never an unkind word. Just a nice kind word for everybody, whether it was some staffer walking in or some intern or a senator. Just nice person. Just kind person. Um, it's, this one hurts. They all hurt, but this one hurts. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's a tough it's a tough business, politics and journalism and law enforcement. Not the same thing. Obviously, law enforcement is tougher. But um, it, they're, they're, it's, they're serious businesses. And to have somebody who is trying to brighten the day of, you know, somebody that they're charged with protecting. I mean, that's, that's special. And there are a bunch of Capitol officers are like that, I should say. There are a bunch of them who work really hard and are really kind and pleasant to be around. Um, and it's a real loss. And it's, it's been so rough for that family, the Capitol Hill family, but especially the 
Capitol Police family this year because of the loss of now three officers. Officer Sicknick killed uh, in the line of duty uh, January 6th. Uh, the officer who died by suicide shortly thereafter, and, and now Officer Billy Evans. Yeah, and I mean, and these guys, you know, they're taking it hard. To keep, you know, I've talked to a lot of the Capitol Police today, and these guys are friends, and, you know, again, we see them all the time, and, and they just look wounded and haunted. It's just like one more that they have to bear. And this one, I think, I think Lauren Fox was talking earlier, and she was saying they were starting to feel like a sense of hope and things were getting back to a little bit of normal and the fencing was coming down. And this is just a hit that it's just going to hurt the whole family, Capitol Police family and everybody who's up here. It's just a tough one. All right. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for, for calling in and, and uh, sharing your, uh, your experiences with Officer uh, Billy Evans. He sounds like a special guy. And to people who knew him better, his friends and family, obviously, we would love to honor him on CNN. So reach out to us. Let us know uh, uh, when a good time to talk would be because he deserves to be remembered. Uh, his name deserves to be made famous, not his assailant. We're going to squeeze in another quick break. We'll have the latest on the investigation next. We're going to continue to monitor the breaking tragic news out of Washington. Capitol Police Officer Billy Evans killed in the line of duty after a suspect rammed his car into him and another officer outside the Capitol, lunging at them with a knife. We're going to keep an eye on that. But we have to tell you about this shocking story and bring this shocking story from the world lead to you right now. The Ethiopian government is denying that its soldiers are responsible for war crimes committed in their own country. But new video obtained by CNN will make that hard to maintain. The video is from Ethiopia's Tigray region, where a civil war is raging. And what a whistleblower captured goes way beyond military conflict. The video shows Ethiopian soldiers executing unarmed young men. And CNN's Nima Albagir and team collaborated with Amnesty International to investigate this video, a warning. What we're about to play is graphic and gruesome, but it's also far too atrocious to ignore. You are watching footage filmed by a soldier turned whistleblower, now in hiding. This video was obtained by a pro-Tigray media organization based in the U.S. The video you're watching will show these Ethiopian soldiers execute these men. A war crime. The Ethiopian government has waged war against Tigray's ousted regional leaders for the last five months with the help of neighboring Eritrea. Ethiopia has implied the atrocities in Tigray are mainly Eritrea's doing. That's not true, and here's why. We know these are Ethiopian soldiers because of the Ethiopian flag on their shoulders here and here. Examining details of the stitching, color, and camouflage patterns, military experts confirm to us that the uniforms match those of the Ethiopian army. In addition, the soldiers are speaking Amharic, the official language of the Ethiopian Federal Army, distinct from the local language. We also know the location by analyzing the video and geolocating the footage. We know it's in central Tigray by the mountain range and terrain just south of the city of Aksum. This model developed by Amnesty International then verifies that location through spatial analysis. You can see the mountain range matches the footage. The captives were moved from where you saw them sitting to here, 1.7 kilometers away. We know that because the video was tracked and mapped and key geographical features were matched on the basis of a high-resolution satellite image of the site. By pinpointing the location, CNN was able to speak to local villagers who confirmed their family members were dragged away by Ethiopian soldiers and have not been seen since. Some believe their loved ones are in this video. You can hear soldiers asking the whistleblower to come closer. The wording here is important. Execution. This is premeditated. They've rounded up these men to kill them. We must warn you, what you're about to see is horrifying. Shoot them in the head, he says. And they do. Look at the left of your screen. The man shoots. We paused the video just before his victim falls to the ground. 
And again, another soldier raises his weapon towards the man in the white scarf. The video cuts out, but the next scene tells you what happened to him, to all of them. The soldiers continue to shoot, making sure that there are no survivors. What you are witnessing is an extrajudicial execution. We counted at least 34 young men at the beginning of this video. All are now presumed dead. Their bodies casually flung over the ridge. No attempt to hide what has been done here. No apparent fear of consequences. Their actions are so appalling, we can only show individual frames from the video. But it doesn't stop here. You can hear someone saying, check that one. That one is not dead. Kill him or I will come. The same soldier moves further along the ridge and shoots from close range as other soldiers watch on. Much of the region remains under an Ethiopian government blackout, but CNN and Amnesty International were able to speak to local villagers and family members who told us that at least 39 men remain missing from the village. One man was able to watch the video and confirm to us that his brother is among the dead depicted here. Family members continue to search for their loved ones but have been unable to reach this remote area. Their wish to respectfully bury their dead will go unheeded. And Jake, the Ethiopian government has now gotten in touch with us uh, with this statement dismissing our claims, saying that the Ethiopian government has indicated its open will for independent investigations to be carried out in the Tigray region, adding that social media posts and claims cannot be put forward as evidence, regardless of whether Western media reports them. Jake? All right. Another incredibly important report from Nima Albagir. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it and your excellent reporting. Uh, be sure to tune in this Sunday for State of the Union. My guests include Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, Vermont Independent Senator Bernie Sanders, Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves, a Republican, and Congresswoman Ilhan Omar from Minnesota, where that trial is going on. That's at 9 a.m. and noon Eastern. And also, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Jake Tapper. You can tweet the show at the lead CNN. Our coverage on CNN continues right now with Wolf Blitzer in the Situation Room. I will see you Sunday morning. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.